Alright, Job chapter 23. I pray that Mary's dad can actually hear us now in the future. And, uh, but I, I, I've been working, I was trying to finish the, trying to finish, um, Acts this week. And I, I worked and I prayed and I, I just couldn't get comfortable with, hold on a second here. This is not what we're doing this week. I didn't say anything. Alright, there. Okay. So I, I, I looked and I prayed and I could not get any kind of peace or, or, um, it just, I wasn't happy with the message. So I think it was Thursday afternoon. I'm praying and I'm looking for direction. And I knew Friday was going to be kind of busy. And I couldn't get peace. So I began asking the Lord to give us something else. And He directed me to, to, to the book of Job. And Job chapter 23. Don't know why these things happen. Um, a few years ago I sat here and the Lord gave me a message about five minutes before the sermon. I had a message ready to preach. And He gave it to me and things were popping out. And, uh, and it was at Pentecost, believe it. That's when that was, was a Pentecost message. But I want to look at Job 23. Um, you know, Job, we all know the story of Job, don't we? Everybody basically knows the story of Job. What happened? He had lost literally everything. God was using him to prove his power to the world. And, and he had lost, everything was gone. And, and it was, and, and then his friends came and his friends tried. I don't think they had bad hearts. I honestly don't. I think they were just so, sometimes so heavenly minded, they were of no earthly good. Um, a lot of what his friends said was true. Uh, and, and they just didn't give Job a chance. I think of one time of, we, we've, I've, I've been through one Job friend situation, well, more than one. But I've been through one Job friend situation. We had something happen, goodness, it's coming close to 20 years ago now. And it was just really a bad spell in our lives, in our ministry. And, and I had somebody actually, this, this is true, alright? This is not just preaching, this is true. I, and, and somebody actually said to me, do you think there might be some sin in your life that God has to deal with here? And, I don't know how, it's like, what? I mean, that's not the encouraging type of verse for a virtual stranger to say. So anyway, Job is here. He'd already expressed a a couple of statements of faith, and I like Job. The the book of James says, you have heard of the patience of Job. And I appreciate that. He had said a couple things already. In Job chapter 13, verse 15, he had said, even if God kills me, I'm still going to trust Him. Um, in chapter 19, verse 23, He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. The truth that we're going to find out here is that, that Job is going to come to realize here that God knows what we're going through even if we don't get it. And there are going to come times in our lives when we're not going to get it. It's just just the way... Life is. So turn with me to Job 19, first of all. <coughs> Job 19, verse 8 and 9. And back in verses 1 through 7, uh, Job's in misery. He wants to fellowship God. He's not getting it. And then, but I want you to key on Job 19, verse 8 and 9. And could one of our lads who is in Job, anybody, you guys in Job chapter 19? Are you there already, David? Would you read Job 18, Job 18, verse 8 and 9. I think that's right. 19, verse 8 and 9. Yes, thank you. Not my ways, but 
Okay, Job, Job, is, Job is standing here and he's looking out to God and he just, he, no matter where he looks, he can't find God. It's a terrible situation. I don't think that's the right verse. It's my fault, not your fault. Hold on a second here. Give me a second. Well, I missed that verse big time, folks. I'm sorry. And it's a big part of the message, too. Um, I'm looking for the verses that says, I look, he looked forward, he couldn't see God. Huh? Oh, is it 23? Well, what am I doing in verse 19? Alright. Thank you, David. You read the right verses. It was my fault. Somebody else want to read 23, verse 8 and 9? Um, Hudson. Alright, good. Thank you for that. You can tell I worked on this message Thursday and Friday, can't you, on short notice. Um, apologies for that. But what, what is, what is Job, what is Job basically saying there? He's in this midst of this mess. It's a disaster. And what is he, what, what's he saying basically? He can't, what's he saying about God? Yeah, I'm sorry? Dead right, David. He can't find him. He says, I'm looking forward and I can't see God. I'm looking backwards. I can't see God. He said, I look to the left. I can't see God. I look to the right. I can't see God. And all of us, I think, have been in situations. I think we mentioned this over the last couple of weeks at one point or another. Um, that there come times in our lives when it things get so bad, you just can't see God working. And that's where Job is here. And Job had a, and it's amazing, we're gonna look someplace in just a second here. There's another passage from scripture where a Bible character takes the totally opposite view. He's in the same situation, and he takes a totally opposite view. I'm gonna chance my arm and throw it out there. Do you know who and where somebody can't see? He's looking at trouble, but all he sees is God. We'll get there in a minute if not. Alright, hold that for a second, okay? We'll get there in just a second. He's looking all around, and he, his, his, he, 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 but he's, but his desire was to see God. I look forward, he's not there. I look backward, I can't see him. He works on the left. Now look what he says here. When God is working, he knows God is there. On the left hand, I cannot behold thee. When he turns on the right hand, I cannot see him. He's looking for God in his, in his tough situation. But then he says in verse 10, one of the key verses of Scripture, he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I want to stop here just one second. I want to tell you a, a true life story here from verse 10 um, that, that applies to verse 10 here. Uh, and then we'll jump back in and look at verse 10 in, in, in some detail. Years and years ago, we were traveling in the States and we were at a, at a church. Pastor's name was John Vaughn. 
And um, I've realized John Vaughn had written a book called Come Forth as Gold, something like that. Okay? Yeah. And we went and had dinner with Pastor Vaughn and his wife and their daughter. And the basis of the book was something that happened a few years ago. Mrs. Vaughn had been out in the uh, most, a lot of houses in the States. You go out the, you go out the back door onto the back step and around the store, around the back there, there's a storage room. Um, Americans would call it the utility room or something like that. So they come around the corner, there's a storage room and she'd gone out there, um, it was winter time and I don't remember the, all the details of it, but they had a, a, a storage heater, like a kerosene heater out there. Um, but the, the petrol for the lawnmower was also stored there. And she had forgotten, or he'd forgotten to tell her, or something happened, that she had forgotten to tell her about the petrol for the lawnmower that was stored there. And when she was trying to test the heater to see if it worked, and when she lit the heater up, her, she had a little girl with her. How old was Becky then? She was a tiny little thing. Maybe this age, maybe the age of Amy. And um, they were out, in the, out, out there together, and the fumes from the petrol ignited, and the whole place burst into flames. And um, Becky was right there where the fire started. And we had dinner with Becky and her parents that night. And um, her mom reached into the flames and gathered her up. And her mom was badly scarred as well. And I'm sitting here telling the story like it happened last night. It was so visible in my mind. And um, they were both, they didn't think Becky would live. The mom was terribly scarred. And this was several years after that when we, when we met them. About 10 or 15, maybe 15 years later after that. And they told us the story of this and we're sitting there just in amazement about how this happened and what do you do and, and, uh, the, the, they, they had people who, they didn't know what to do. What do you do when somebody is that badly burned? Apparently Becky had burned like to a crisp. I mean, it looked like she was just totally blackened and charred. And, uh, there's an organization there called the Shriners and they do burn hospitals and they took her and treated her. And they had saved her life, okay? They had done a great job and they saved her life. Um, this was years later, but she was horribly scarred. Um, our children would have been, I mean, it was so bad that our younger children were afraid of her when they saw her. She was <coughs> trying to talk to the kids and she was so badly scarred that they were terrified of her. And um, you look at that situation, you say, this man was serving God. You know, and he, he admitted they went through a time when they wondered where God was. They didn't know what was going to happen here. How could this be God's will? And he kept serving and pastoring the church. And uh, and then as, as they went on, though, as Becky got older, <clears throat> she went to college. Um, she got her degree in teaching. And Becky eventually founded a ministry, um, started a school or a, a, yeah, school and a ministry for children who were badly burned or badly handicapped. And she was having such a success reaching people that nobody else could reach. And they claimed this first. That when I come through this, literally through the fires, I'm going to come forth as gold. Every time I think things get bad, I look back at the Vaughn situation. I think we have a copy of the book. If someplace, I have to look and see if anybody wants to read the book. It's an amazing story. But that's a real illustration, and one of many we could give. And and, and their situation is not unique. It, it's especially difficult, maybe, but it's not unique. That how people have come through the fires and the trials of life and God brings them through it and their lives are shining forth like gold. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes the tests we go through are to teach us that God is there and He's going to bring us through the trial. So look at verse 10. We'll go back to verse 10 through 14. 
First of all, um, when Job started, Job was confused. I, I love God. I'm serving Him. What's going on? But then we have Job's confidence in verse 10 through 14. Um, somebody, want, one of you boys want to read that? Give it a shot, verse 10 through 14. Somebody who's not done it yet. You, want to, you ready, Will? Yeah, chapter 23, verse 10 through 14. Down to verse 14. Good job, Will. All right. We're going to see here how Job learns to have confidence in God. And this is a test for us when we go through tough times. And I know, I, I, I know all the family. I don't know all the things that everybody goes through. But I know there are times when the troubles of the world are, you almost feel them choking you. What's going to happen next? What's the next bad thing that's going to happen? And, 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 and we go through these times and we feel a lot like Job did. Where's God in all this? But Job came up with an answer. We find that answer in verses, in, in verses 10 through, for, 10 through 14. First of all, we start in verse 10 where he says, God knows my ways. Which you turn, turn with me to Psalm 139 verse 2 through 5. AJ, your chance, bud? Psalm 139 verse 2 through, you have a Bible with you, don't you? Yeah, Psalm 139 verse 2 through 5. I want you to see the difference here about the way Job responded and the way David responded um, during trial. You there? AJ, you there? Psalm 139 verses... Hold on. What did I say? Psalm 139 verse three, 2 through 5. That's fine. Take your time. Two through five of Psalm 139. Thank you. 
Perfect. Thank you, AJ. Now, thank you for that, guys. I appreciate you guys doing this for me. Now, how did David respond to God compared to how Job responded to God? David was always in trouble, always running from the Philistines, always running from King Saul. He says just the opposite. He says, God knows my ups and my downs. He knows my thoughts. He knows the words I speak. God knows He surrounds me. He knows everything I'm going through. He knows my words completely. He guides us. He goes before us. He puts His hand on us from the back. He guides us from the back. And God knows the way of the righteous. So He trusted God. Uh, that David trusted God, um, even though because he could see God, Job started out distrusting God because he couldn't see Him. But he claimed by faith, God knows the way that I take. And that little phrase, God knows, has got to be instrumental in our life. If we forget that God knows what's going on, we're going to be doomed to failure every time. God knows what's going on, and there are going to be struggles. Job is a key example of that. And we, if we need to remember that God, first of all, God knows what's going to happen. He also, in verse 10 says, God knows the outcome. Testing is a part of our lives. In James chapter 1, we won't look there this morning, but James 1 tells us how to handle trials. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of trials. Not easy to do. But James says, whenever you face a trial, count it all joy. Key words that James writes about, he says, count it all joy. He said, James also wrote that know that God has a purpose in this. And he says, we patiently go through those struggles. We grow into maturity through the struggles. We ask God for wisdom in the trials and we remain stable and we remain close to God during these difficulties. And that's what God wants us to do when things are tough. I remember talking to Oriel and Heather early on. I don't want to steal the thunder and I won't do that. Early on in their struggles, when it just seems like they couldn't get anything done, and the Irish medical profession would not cooperate, they they made them feel like they were idiots because they were pursuing Lyme disease, and they they called them ignorant. They called them, um, you don't know what you're talking about. You're listening to the wrong people. Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, doesn't even exist. I remember a stage in that time when they wanted to take um, take Sarah out of the hospital to get blood work done, and they said, if you do that, we're going to call. Too slow to come take your children away from you if you try to do that. And how do you handle that kind of situation? And they, I remember talking to Oriel one day when he was really at the breaking point. And we both have come out of a background, Oriel and, and us have come out through a background that says you never admit your struggles. You never admit that you're having trials and struggles. And he said, he said, Pastor Farrell, I said, I feel bad even saying this, but I don't know where God is. And uh, that kind of honesty is refreshing, isn't it? And, but they, as a result, they trusted God through the difficulty and through the hardship. And they, and he said, and anyway, I tried to encourage him with passages like this. And at the end of Job's life, he got everything back, right? Remember it says that he got, he got his livestock restored. He had ten more children. He was given a life, a long life, and he died old and full of days. So the first thing is, God knows my outcome. He knew, he knew that when the testing is over, God was going to give him strength and to build him up. He knew that God was going to bring him forth as pure as gold. And we, we look at the illustration. What does pure gold mean? And what does fire have to do with pure gold? If you've ever seen pictures, I've never seen a smelter. Um, I, but I have been, I, I have seen, I've not seen gold purified. 
But I had seen steel, I, saw, I have seen steel being purified. We were with a friend in Birmingham, not Birmingham, England, but Birmingham, Alabama, and she got us lost down in the steel making district. She was supposed to be taking us back, it's candy. She was trying to get us back to our, um, back to her mom's house. And we got lost in the middle of the steel making district. And I remember driving down this road and both sides of us, there's all this molten steel being poured out into these huge vats. And the reason they poured that molten steel out is once they poured it and it settled, all the nonsense, all the dirt and all the impurities would rise to the top. And they'd use great big scrapers to scrape it off. And gold is the same way. When they're purifying gold, they heat it to it gets molten. And they scrape the things off the top. And the picture is the purification process sometimes requires fire. And sometimes it happens in our lives. Sometimes we have to have difficulties in our lives to make the impurities and the rough edges come to the surface so that God can scrape them off. Sometimes we can't see them. And sometimes it takes huge challenges in order for the, for the, for those, for those impurities to come so God can, God can skim those things off. Fire is destructive. It'll consume all of the wood and the hay and the stubble and the nonsense in our lives. And, and, and God can use those difficult times to make us more like Him. The fires of testing are never comfortable during the, the trials. Isaiah 13, 12 said, I will make a man, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even than the gold, gold, wedge of Ophir. God says, I want to make my people as precious as, as gold. And sometimes doing that, we have to go through struggles that help us to get rid of the impurities. I look back at some of the difficult times I've been, we've been through. Uh, nothing like having a child burned over 90% of her body. Nothing like having a child go through Lyme disease. We've been through cancer a couple of times. And I look back and I can look at times how God carried us through that and through those struggles drew us closer to Him. We can look back now. We can look back when tough times came, when we had uh, difficulties in the ministry, when we've had our children suffering and going through all the stuff we go through. I look back and say, you know what that's done? That's taught me that God knows what He's talking about. And it helps us have the ability to encourage somebody else during those struggles. It helps us carry, carry through the difficulties. You know, and, 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 and that's sometimes, that's why God uses hard times to, to, to make it, to purify us and make us better. 1 Peter verse, chapter 1 verse 7 talks about the trying of your faith. He says, the trial of your faith being much more precious than that, that of, than of gold that part, perisheth, though he be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Job never expressed any assurance that the trial would soon be over. He doesn't say that here. Uh, sometimes our blessings may not even happen here on earth. But Job said, I, he said earlier on, one day I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see Him again. I'm going to see my Lord. And that's the faith we have to have even when things get their darkest. Otherwise, it's hopelessness and despair. We need to trust the fact that God is doing something. And I've told several people since things we've been through. I told Oriel and Heather at one point in the hospital room um, that, you know, guys, I don't want to sound super spiritual. And I love you and I'm praying for you. But God has got a purpose in this and we don't know what it is. And and somebody had somebody somebody I was with, another pastor I was with, just boldly tried to beg God to heal her on the spot. And, and said, if God, if you, Jesus, if you were here right now, you'd touch Sarah and make her well. And it doesn't happen sometimes, guys. 
It just doesn't happen. It, sometimes there's a purpose in the trials that we go through. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do with Oriel and Heather and Sarah in the years to come. I can't wait to see what God... I've already seen it with another with our friend Summer. And has, she's gone through Lyme disease, the ministry she's had, and she's still battling Lyme. So we, we have, the focus is to get the focus away from ourselves, get it on God, and let God turn us into this precious gold. Verse 11 and 12 tells us that God speaks through His Word. Um, my foot is my foot held fast in his steps. I've kept his way and not turned aside. I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job says here, he says, I, 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 God gave me the strength, has given me the strength to hold on so far. And God is doing a work. And he says that what, what carried him through that, and that we've got to grasp this. This is why I push over and over again that we spend time in God's Word. We need that, not just coming to church on Sunday, not just listening to a devotion now and then. Those are all fantastic stuff. But God wants us to spend time in His Word. Job said this, I have treasured God more than my, God's Word more than my necessary food. And my challenge today is, to me and everybody else in this room, is reading the Word of God is spending time in God's Word as precious to you as your necessary food or your needed food. He doesn't even say all the wonderful joys like fish and chips and a fry and all those guys. He says, more than my necessary food. Do we treasure God that God's Word that much? I doubt, unless, some, unless we were sick, I don't think anybody of us would just, I, I guess it could happen, Get so busy that we forget to eat during the day. All right? I, I guess that could happen. But most of us are not going to forget to eat. It's like somebody said on Facebook about, um, oh, what they said, something about the effect. All I think about is my next meal. And poor American get caught in the trap where you have breakfast. What are we doing today for dinner? Because food is part of us. And do we treasure God's word that much? Do I get up in the morning and say, I've got to spend time with God? Do I go to bed and without even, do I go to bed and say, you know what? I need to look at God's word again. Do we treasure, and that's how Job got through the struggle, because he treasured God's word. It's not something we can take, give or take. Leave it or take it. Take it or leave it? Yeah. It's not something we can take it or leave it. It's something we need. It needs to be a part of our lives and it needs to be precious to us, even more precious than the food we eat. And that's how we get through the struggles. And that's how Job found the confidence to get through the struggles that he was going through. And then finally, in verses 11 and 12, I could put my faith in God's Word because God speaks to His Word. Um, in, uh, no, God. At the end, God is in control. Verse 13 and 14 of the passage, God is in control, but He is unique. Who can make him change? Whatever he desires, he does. He performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. God is unique. There's none like him. There's only one God. There's only one God that we trust, that we can... He's, he's, there's nothing like our God. He is the one true God. Second of all, he is unchangeable. I am the Lord, I change not, we read. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Um, God is unique. Who can make Him change? 
And with the struggle you're going through, or the struggle you might be going through, or the difficulty, the fire that you're going through, remember that God doesn't change. The God who, God who knows what's going on, the God who is speaking through His Word, is the same God who said, let there be light. And there was light. That God is ours. He's there for us. The God who parted the God who parted the Red Seas. I loved Holly's illustration last week when she the kids had when God parted the Red Sea. The same God who did that is there for us today. He doesn't change. Um, he's omnipotent. That means omnipotent. He's all powerful. He does what his soul desires. And then, all, then, 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 and then, lastly. Um, you see, verse fourteen, and and, and, the, and the many, and the God, the, he, he did the works he did then. He can do the same works for us today. God knows my heart. I may not understand what God's doing when God's carrying out His will. I'm not always going to get it, but God knows what's best for the struggle you're going through, and we can trust the promise that when I've come through this trouble, I can come through it greater, um, more precious than gold. Of course, Charles Spurgeon, who's called the Prince of Pre- the Prince of Preachers, in closing this morning, he is one of the pastor of one of the largest churches in England in the 19th century. He put it this way: He said, "There are some special, superfine, hot-pressed Christians about nowadays who do not believe this. They say the, the idea of being depressed or getting down like Job was. They said you shouldn't do this. Uh, he's, um, they say you ought to be joyous." You ought never to be depressed. You ought to be perfect. All of which is quite true. But it's a great deal easier to say so than to show how it is to be realized. And these brethren who talk as if there were a very simple matter, like counting your fingers, may someday find it's more difficult than they think, as some of those have sometimes done. The reality is there. Not always easy. It's easy enough to say, well, you ought to praise God and everything, and you should. But it's tough. And most of us know that. Most of us have been through times when we know where God has had to step in. And yet still we need to trust God through those difficulties. We need to look at God in all the trials we face. Sometimes it's going to seem like He's really not there. We must have the faith, God, must have the faith to say that God knows the path that I take. We need to remember that trials bring purification, which are going to bring us, bring us in, through it improved. And she should bring glory to God. And God is in control. The fires of testing are not pleasant. And sometimes, like the Vaughn family, those trials can even leave scars. But God wants to bring us through the testing so that He's glorified and our lives are more prepared to serve Him. Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I pray that You might bless us now, Lord. Help us to keep these things in our hearts.